Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This happened about nine years ago. I was living with a roommate at the time in a townhouse in a suburb of Denver. My boyfriend at the time had always been kind of abusive, with the occasional slap or pinning me down on the floor, but after a family member that was close to him ended their own life, he really lost it. My ex, Pierce, just sort of lost it in the middle of an argument one day about a week after the funeral and threw me on the ground, hit my arm over and over, until there was a giant bruise on one shoulder and a handprint-shaped bruise on the other. My face also ended up being pretty swollen and I also had a bloody lip. My roommate called the police and he ended up being arrested and a no-contact order was put in place. He was also ordered to go to counselling and maybe drug or alcohol meetings, even though at the time he didn't use. Fast forward a few months though, I'm living with this roommate because I was completely financially dependent upon him. She's taken it upon herself to pay for me to get my GED. That woman is honestly a saint. And a lot of my time was spent on studying for the subjects. After everything, I was very agoraphobic, but I even managed to forge some online friendships and maybe even something more with a genuinely kind guy. Now one day, Pierce's grandmother stopped by to take me to pay my phone bill. She lived close by in the same townhouse complex and was more or less right behind where I lived. I remember it being the first beautiful and slightly warm day after a long winter, so I opened all the blinds to let the sunlight in and left them open when I left. And after paying my phone bill, Pierce started calling her. I wasn't too concerned because I knew that he was supposed to be at his court-mandated counselling shortly anyway. 
I couldn't hear what he was saying, but his grandmother told him that we had just stopped at the McDonald's. Again, not an issue at this point. I continued to eat until maybe three minutes later when Pierce calls again. His grandma tells me that she's probably going to be home in about 10 minutes. The call ends, I finish my food and we leave. Again in the car as I'm maybe two minutes away from where I live now, Pierce calls again. I still can't hear his side of the conversation but his grandma tells him the intersection we had just passed and suddenly I have this terrible sinking feeling in my stomach. I know that something is wrong and I just can't identify what it was but I know in my heart of hearts that something is up. I considered asking his grandma for help but for context his grandmother on multiple occasions watched Pierce hit me or try to strangle me even and openly expressed disgust at how I can't help but just get him angry. Anyway his grandma pulls in front of where I live and I noticed that all of the blinds I had opened are now closed. We go inside and once she leaves I walk upstairs to my room and see a random word document open on my computer. Pierce has written a whole long page worth of stuff but I only pay attention to the big words at the top. It said I read your emails. Immediately too I I just know that he's seen the emails between me and the guy that I'd met. And even though they weren't outright sexual or flirty or anything, you could kind of tell that there was something there. My brain stopped reading at this point and I needed to figure out if he's still in this building. Because there is no contact order and I know that he would have come in through the back door so nobody would see him. My mind latches onto this idea that if the back door is locked, he's probably gone. I run downstairs to the door and see that it's locked. But as soon as I reach the door, I hear a closet sliding open from the room that I was just in, loud and angry footsteps, and he's yelling my name. Now, I know that this may sound weird, but I really can't call the exact details of what happened next. I remember his face in mine before I could understand what was happening. I remember being back up in that room again. I think to go through all of my emails with him... And I remember him slapping me hard in the face over and over until I just got dizzy. I remember somehow convincing him to let me use the phone to respond to one of the roommate's texts or something like that. I don't remember what I said but I remember that she called right away. I remember Pierce standing two feet away from me and looking at me believing that he was about to kill me and my roommate asking me are you safe. I only said no and she told me that she was on her way and would be there as fast as she could. Eventually, Pierce became convinced that I had called the police, and with a knife in his hands, told me that if they were coming anyway, that he might as well give me what I deserve. I managed to convince him that I didn't call the police, and then he started crying about what a terrible person he was, and threatened to end his own life. So, with a handprint on my swollen face, I tried to convince him that he wasn't terrible and to please not do this until my roommate came home. In the end, he left and I moved states, had my name changed and I only feel safe in buildings in big cities where I'm at least three stories up now. It was a crazy time and I really don't wish it on anyone.
This happened in South Carolina and it's one of the worst experiences of my entire life and I hadn't thought about it for a long time. Someone said that I should write a book of all the horrible things that have happened in my life because it should be more than a, a person can handle but anyway... I was dating a guy for a couple of weeks and we went to one of his friend's house in the middle of nowhere. It was a sort of rundown older mobile home but who am I to judge? We went in and there were four other guys there. I thought that that was a bit odd. I was the only girl but just shrugged it off. They wanted to play a drinking game and back then I was a little wild so I was game. And after about an hour things got really weird. I could see them looking at each other like there was an inside joke. I decided to get up and go to the bathroom and when I came out, someone pushed me in a bedroom and locked the door. It was completely dark in there. I banged on the door telling them that this wasn't funny. The door opened and they all came in and shut the door behind them. I could sort of feel them grabbing at me and laughing. I was fighting and hitting but they were just way too strong. The door opened and they all left. I could then hear them outside in the hall and it didn't sound good. They were discussing the order that they would take turns on with me. The door opens and my mind is going a million miles a minute on how I'm going to survive this. The guy comes in and sat on the bed and said that he was going to get me out of there. He said that they went too far and he didn't know that they were going to hurt me. He said that he thought that it was a joke and that there was a back door across from the bedroom and he said for me to run through the woods as fast as I could to the road and he would come and find me. I ran as fast as I could and I heard them yelling for me to come back. I could hear them coming too. I got to the road and hid behind a tree. It seemed like maybe an hour had passed and I see a car pull up with him in it and he is just all bloody from head to toe. They had beat the ever-living daylights out of this guy for letting me go. He had my purse and ended up taking me home and I didn't know if I should trust him but really I, I had no other choice. I mean I was in the middle of the woods. I heard a couple of months later that apparently that same guy was arrested for killing his girlfriend and the guy who took me there was arrested for assault of another woman. Maybe if I had gone to the police, this may have never happened. Who knows, but what I can say for sure is that I got really, really lucky that day. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When I met my ex-husband, Kenny, he was from a small town outside of the city. They are what you would call country folks, I guess. The whole family lived on a one-mile area, and everyone had a plot of land that they built homes on. There were ten acres each, so when we were married, we got our land on and built a beautiful house on it. My mother-in-law was married to a strange guy from what I could see. He didn't like to come to family functions and seemed to hate everyone, but he did have a friend named Denny. And when I met Denny, every spidey sense that I had just went off. I did not like this guy and I think that he could tell that too. He would go on and on about how much money he had and since he didn't have any family he was going to leave it to them. He was at the house every day pretty much except when he would go on these business trips and no one would hear from him for like weeks at a time. Then he would come back with all of this money and would buy everyone very expensive gifts. Now one day my ex says that Denny has cancer well, of course, I felt bad about disliking him, but still didn't want to be around him or anything. The next thing I know, they have Denny moved in and has a hospital bed set up in the office. Which was really, really strange, but Marilyn, my ex-mother-in-law, said that they needed to take care of him and in return, his life insurance policy of $1 million would go to them. Still, I didn't trust him, so one night I asked some questions. A lot of questions, in fact. Back then, the internet wasn't a big thing and very few cell phones were around. He had answers to every question, but I didn't believe him. So, to win me over, he took Marilyn and I to the cancer ward with him for the treatment. We went into the waiting room and he walked up the stairs. About an hour later, he walks out. He even had some documents talking about his diagnosis. Still, something just wasn't right. He took us to his mother's house. He told us that she died and left the house to him. And no one was supposed to live there, but I saw milk on the counter. Yeah, I'm pretty nosy. He had hundreds of beanie babies all over the house too and gave us a bag full each. This is when they were really expensive too. Still though, I just didn't like the guy. One day he pops up and says that he has to go to Boston for business and wants Gary my ex's stepfather to go with him. We didn't think anything about it, so off they go. A couple of days later, Gary calls Marilyn and says that he wants her to come to Boston to sign some papers or something. This all seemed really weird to me, so I decided that I was going to look into Danny. I went to his mother's house and she was home. And apparently, she wasn't dead. She told me that he had escaped from the mental hospital and that They'd been looking for this guy for months. And apparently this is when he was gone for like weeks at a time. Allegedly what was happening was that he would go to hospital and then would leave again. Apparently he wasn't rich either and he doesn't have cancer. All this had been just an elaborate scheme I guess, but why? I begged Marilyn not to go to Boston. I had this feeling of dread, but she said that she was going to confront him. A day later, she gets a credit card bill in the mail in her name maxed out. She went to the bank and found out that there were several loans and credit cards taken out in her name. This is where he was getting the money from for the trips and the gifts. 
They also did a check and she had a million dollar life insurance policy on her name. Then Kenny's younger sister comes to us and says that she woke up in the middle of the night and saw Danny and Gary in the backyard apparently getting it on and didn't say anything because she thought that it had just been a dream. So they were in on it together by the looks of things and what we were thinking is they tried to get Marilyn to Boston to be killed. She acted like nothing happened when Gary called and she said that she couldn't get off work and they came home to the police waiting on them. Gary denied everything and acted shock and she let him back home. He knew that I was the one who stopped his plan too and after that he hated me with a passion. And I guess it just goes to show that no matter how much proof you always have to trust your guts. Oh and I talked to my ex-sister-in-law and Danny he's now in jail for murder because he murdered his lover's wife. So as far as I'm concerned this was a close call for sure. This happened several months ago and at the time I had recently lost my car due to a motor vehicle accident so I walked for 30 minutes to the store thinking that I'd be able to beat the sunset back but I was wrong. By the time that I was done picking up my grocery it was pitch black outside. The thing is is that I live in a pretty woodsy area where there are not even many sidewalks so I really didn't think that it was safe to walk back. I tried getting my brother and cousin to pick me up and drop me off but they wouldn't have been able to make it for a while so instead I decided to get a lift. There was a photo of a suspicious looking creepy old man popped up as my driver and I waited at the sidewalk for my ride. And maybe like 10 minutes later the driver arrived. It was a silver Toyota sedan and the driver was an old man wearing a cap and large framed rectangular glasses Instantly, something just felt off about this guy too. His aura was just wrong. But I tried not to let it bother me too much. After all, my home is literally down the street, I reminded myself. I asked him if I could set my groceries in the trunk of his car, and he nodded. I dropped it in without noticing what was in his trunk of his vehicle because where we were stopped, it was pretty dark with no street lamps. I helped myself into the car and told him that I live back there, pointing in the direction from which the vehicle had arrived and let him know that he was only a three minute drive away from my home. I saw him nod, or so I thought anyway, and as soon as the light switched to green, he made a right. I thought that he was making the right turn to turn the vehicle around, but instead he sort of passed the main road that he was supposed to take to get to my home. I let him know immediately that my home was that way while pointing in the direction, and he acknowledged it, but still kept going straight claiming that there was an issue with his GPS and he started driving us in the complete opposite direction of my home where the roads were completely empty. I uh, suddenly didn't feel safe. I had a terrible feeling in the pit of my stomach in fact. In that moment of panic I immediately reached for my phone to SOS assuming the worst but then I stopped myself and told myself to just calm down Make a U-turn, I tried to tell the driver as calmly as possible. I didn't want him to hear the panic in my voice, but he didn't respond. My request to turn around was just completely ignored and I just couldn't keep calm any longer. 
So I finally yelled for him to make a right and turn around, and he reluctantly complied. Along the way back to the road that took me to my home, it felt like the longest three minutes of my life. But just when I thought that I would finally be home safe, the driver then suggested an alternate route, even though my home was simply right and then right via the main road and very, very close by. I immediately felt that something was really, really wrong. He slowed down next to a sort of woodsy area, an isolated path along the way, asked if I'd ever been there before and that we could take this route instead. I froze. Again, I went into panic mode, but I forced myself to calm down as not to let him know that I was suspicious of him. I raised my voice once more, telling him that my home was that way, while pointing toward the main road, which wasn't very far. He finally obliged after some reluctancy and started driving back toward the main road again. The entire time on the way to my home, my heart was racing and my palms were sweating. We arrived at my complex maybe five minutes later and I spoke to him very nicely so that he doesn't try something funny that would force him to react in such a manner that would put my life in further danger. I told him that I'd be tipping him well for such a short drive which would be $10. I quickly hopped out of the car and jolted to the trunk to retrieve my groceries and as I grabbed my bags I saw something that I hadn't noticed before because this time, the street lamp surrounding my complex illuminated the trunk of his car. And I froze as I grabbed my groceries, because in the trunk of his vehicle was a rope, a mallet, and a bag filled with something. I was immediately trembling from fear. I ran up to my building so quickly and checked outside my window as soon as I got up to my apartment to make sure that he wasn't still lurking and watching and thankfully, I never had to hear or see from that old man ever again. If I had to guess, I would say that he was up to something evil and twisted, from which I miraculously escaped because, for whatever reason, he decided to change his mind about the intentions that he had for me that night. To this day, I can only guess as to what his intentions were, but judging by the items that I found in the trunk of his vehicle... It's not something that I would have ever had wished to find out. I live alone in an apartment in Utah. My area is fairly metropolitan and it's not uncommon to see unhoused people near my building. Since I'm a single woman, 20, I'm usually more cautious about locking doors and setting alarms than my friends with roommates. I have an alarm system and also two deadbolt locks on my door. Because my area has lots of break-ins, I'm also sure to always lock everything no matter what. Now, two nights ago, I came home late from a night out with friends, but I was sober. I made sure to lock everything and set the alarms like usual. But when I woke up the next morning, I heard somebody in the house. They were wearing shoes and just sort of walking around... One of my friends has the code to my alarm, but none of my friends have a key. I'm the only person that I know with the key to the second deadbolt on my door. Not even my landlord has that. I leaned my head out the door of my bedroom, which is just a few feet from the more open living room or kitchen area where the sound was coming from. And there, standing there, was a, a man in my kitchen. 
He was about six feet tall and maybe 40 years old. He was wearing a full suit and tie but seemed really tired or drunk maybe. He was standing by the fridge and eating leftovers out of the Tupperware and just kind of staring. I ducked back into my room and called 911. And for the next 10 minutes, I stood by my bedroom door and listened to this man eat a bunch of food from my fridge. When he was done with something, he would just drop the container to the floor. When the police showed up, both deadbolts were still locked. They knocked on the door and the man in my apartment answered. The police rushed him and yelled that it was okay now. When I came out of the bedroom, they had the man pinned to the floor and I saw that he had rearranged the furniture in my living room. There were containers all over my floor as well. The man wasn't saying anything and he never said anything even when the police were asking him questions. After they took him away, the officer told me that the man had business cards in his wallet and apparently he works at a bank downtown. But the weirdest thing is that my alarm was set and my deadbolts were locked from the inside, even when he was in my apartment. None of the windows were unlocked and I'm on the fourth floor or open either. To this day, I still have no idea how he got into my house. And it makes me wonder, how long had this guy actually been in my house for? So before I get started, to make things a little bit easier, I suppose, I'm just going to label my cats in orders of alphabet, sort of. So E, that's my old grey cat. T, that's the calico cat that ran away. And B, that's the white kitten with a black tail. Now, normally I probably wouldn't share something like this, but... This is the fourth time something strange has happened and it's left me more than a, a little creeped out and wanting to vent and maybe get an opinion or two on the matter as well. So my family, which is me, my sister and my mother, moved to a new house about two years ago and the basement downstairs is unfinished with the laundry room to one side split with a wall and the rest of the basement is supposed to be a sort of play or gaming TV watching area for my sister and I. The basement has always been a creepy area, but it's a basement, right? No one likes basements, so I never really thought much of it. Until, well, now. So the first event, it was probably like five or six months since we had moved into the house, and I was downstairs watching something when I heard my name from the laundry room. The catch? My mum was working evenings, and... It was Friday, pre-COVID, so my sister was at my friend's house and I was alone with no one but my two cats, E and T, to keep me company. Needless to say, I turned the TV off and I bolted upstairs. The second event, this took place maybe a few months after the first event, only T had just recently escaped from the new house. Well, we had no luck finding her and I remember being upstairs in the living room when I heard T meowing from downstairs. The problem was that I knew that it wasn't just mistaking E's meowing for T's because E was in my mum's room. I went in to check, E was still in my mum's bed and when I went back to the living room the meowing had stopped. I didn't go downstairs to check because it was just really creepy. 
The third event, this one took place maybe a month ago I think. We got our new kitten B in November of last year and she's a rowdy little thing, getting into all the nooks and the crannies of everything. She also annoys E every chance that she has and one day I was watching them just run around each other when E came flying past me from the basement and into the kitchen. I was heading downstairs to the freezer I think when I saw E at the bottom of the stairs. I just sort of stared for a moment before I backpedaled and searched for E where I knew that I had just seen her rush past me and found her in my room. I rushed down the stairs and the only one down there was B. I have no idea what happened that day. I don't know if I was just hallucinating or what, but it was creepy. Now, the fourth and the final event happened just recently. I was downstairs again when I heard meowing from the far upper left corner from where I was sitting of the basement. The only problem was that I knew that my cats were in the laundry room playing with each other and... Even though I could hear them, I got up to check just in case. I decided that because my mother was home at this time, I had the ability to check out whatever was happening because this time if something did happen, at the very least I could scream and be heard. But when I did, I found nothing but scratches in the concrete floor leading under this shelf thing that my mum has. Now, I don't know if a cat can scratch into concrete floor, but... I don't think they can, so if you can, prove me wrong, but I don't know. Something weird is going on in this house, and I don't know what it is. Anyways, there's lots of bad vibes all around here, and I've been trying to keep away from the basement at night now, and any meowing that comes from the basement is pretty much ignored because I don't know what's going on down there, but it's definitely not my cat's. In February of 2012, I went to visit my grandfather's grave for his birthday. His death was really a hard thing for me to deal with, as he had died in March of 2011 and was still very fresh to me. I was kneeling in front of his grave with my head down, mourning and crying, when my body went into full dangerous close-by mode. I looked up to see a man running full sprint from the woods surrounding the cemetery, and forced myself to get into my truck as quickly as possible without the man getting close to me. By the time that I had made it to my truck, he had gotten about 50 feet from me. I jumped in and locked the door, much to his apparent displeasure. He threw his hands up in a huff like his favorite team had just lost a football game. I started the truck and started to drive out as fast as I could, but not before driving right past him. I didn't break eye contact for a second and neither did he, so I got a really good look at this guy's face. Cut to a few years later and I'm at work bored and decided to download an app that had a ton of paranormal, cryptid, serial killer and UFO articles. And as I was browsing through the serial killers, I came across one that made my heart drop. Israel Kais. It's a horrible story and you can look him up for more information if you would like but apparently he would bury things like kits in places long before he ever committed the crimes, in sort of a way to prepare for things. And I often think back to that day when he chased me through the graveyard like that, and I wonder if 
there was a kit buried in those woods. So about three years ago, my mum and I were living in a one-bedroom apartment. We didn't really have any money and it was the only place that we could afford. It was a super old Victorian home in Tacoma, WA that had been sectioned off into four different little apartments. Since I was a kid, I have always been super sensitive to, well, energies I guess you would call them. Whether it's people or a place, if there's some type of a, a negativity, I can sort of sense it. When we first moved in there too, I immediately felt weird. I wouldn't say that I felt anything evil there, but the place just felt really off. Anyway, a couple of months in, I went to spend the night at my boyfriend's place, which wasn't something that I did often. About 9.30, I got a call from my mum. Mind you, at the time she was 63. I picked up and could immediately tell that she was really upset. She asked me if I was at my boyfriend's and if I was okay. I told her yes, that I'm perfectly fine and she then explained to me that she'd gone to lay down to go to sleep when she heard my voice yell her name. At first I sort of doubted it and thought that maybe she'd had a bad dream, but she was so sure that she hadn't even been laying down more than a minute, still wide awake and then it was like I was right in the doorway yelling mama. We both tried to forget about it to be honest, but my mum was convinced that something was there in our apartment that was trying to scare her. A week later she had gotten some paler Santos to try cleansing the apartment. She again did this while I was out, but she called me scared begging me to come home. When I got back she explained that she had done the usual starting from the front door, going through the living room to the bed and the bath, then the kitchen, working her way front to back. She said that she came to walk back into the living room where we had this little table and chairs and her chair was pulled out from the table, tilted back, balancing on its back legs. I tried reassuring her that we would start looking for a new place but it wasn't going to happen fast because of our money problems. And it was about maybe a month after that that I was on the couch while she was cutting vegetables for dinner and... I heard her scream. I ran into the kitchen and she said that she had placed the knife down on the cutting board, turned around to the sink to grab another vegetable and when she turned back, the knife was gone. She said that she turned back to the sink and was checking the counters but it wasn't there so she opened up the drawer to get another knife and when she turned back to the cutting board, it was there again. Well, we left the next day to stay with a friend for a while but... This was the most scared that I'd ever seen my mom and I know it wasn't because she was losing it or just getting old. She was still very lucid. I still believe that if we had stayed there that something bad would have happened to her or maybe even to me. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. 
If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.